talking about the demons. What are the demons? What's this? Tell me about it. What are the voices about this one? It's another voice, the evil side. Yeah, whatever your name is, say. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us back on Evil Examined. We're here uh, this week. We got the Forbidden Five, which I'll be uh, serving you all up a, a top five list of fast food massacres. Yo. Yeah. That's going to be pretty cool, huh? Nick Massacre. A value uh, max A value meal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because we all know like fast food joints, there's always like some weird Talk shit going away. on them. We're not going to be we're not going to be focusing on, you know, the takeout. We'll be keying in on the psychos that are trying to take you out. Oh shit! <laughs> literally, quite literally, my friend. But uh, we're here with John the skeptic again. Um, how you doing, John? Good, good. That's good to know. It was uh, how's, good. how's life? Oh, uh, what was it? No, it was, a, it was a good week. It was a good week. Yeah, excellent. Short week, right? Yeah, but you know, got a lot of stuff done. <laughs> Going quick. You you strike me as a guy that just getting shit done, dude. You know? Yeah. I uh, I do stuff. I live my life. You playing any games lately? Or you haven't Vi- had much time for games? Video, like video games? games? Yeah. Uh, nothing new. Uh, I went back to playing uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh, that, I, was, like, that was like one of the first games on PS4, wasn't it? Yeah, it's from like 2014 because I was going back and looking at like my old saves and stuff i have like games like i really love to play and then i'll play new stuff but uh there hasn't been anything that i wanted to play over and over again i tried to play i don't know how much you want to talk about this i tried to play god of war and horizon zero dawn which are both tremendous games i tried oh, yeah. to play those over again mm. but i got tired of them pretty quickly very stunning games so well i mean it makes sense though because well, I mean, what goes better with video games than like a fucking so- ice cold soda, you know, nice Mountain Dew maybe and uh, um, some fast food, you know, because when you're playing video games and you're hungry, you just want to inhale like some filthy shit, you know, and uh, we've been making more better choices, I would say lately. Would you say, Katie? Yeah, we're on that New Year's roll. Yeah. You can't be fat when we get married. So we're, we've been working out and stuff. So oh. um, this is going to be a very tempting list uh, as we go through it. <laughs> but, um, you know, you, you guys are familiar with fast food joints. 
basically, it's kind of weird, right? Like you're going in there and you're just trying to get food as quick as possible. And it it's it's kind of satisfying, but then I feel like after you eat fast food, there's always a little bit of regret at least, you know? Yeah, because you feel like shit. Yeah. Yeah. And your body's like, this is a... It's not real, you know. It's like you guys ever go trick. through a drive-through and order two meals even when you're alone. <laughs> pretend, I, pretend like you're getting one for someone else, so you get two I've, drinks. Well, <laughs> oh see, my god, I've done it the way where they know it's not for someone else, kind of like because I'll go, oh, give me a quarter pounder meal or something, and can I get nuggets with that too? And I it's do like that. you know that's just for you. they know that's just for you. They're like this fat motherfucker. That's you what know? I do. Because you yeah, say Chick Fil A all the time. Yeah, I get the sandwich meal and then I get a like an eight piece nuggets. But do you get two meals? Is my like? Or no, do you I don't just get, get two meals. Oh, you just get like two entrees and one is. A I meal. would get like a meal and then an extra sandwich. Yeah. You're just straight doubling up on I'm, meals, but you're making it a mirage. You're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm getting it for someone, this mystery person. What do you usually get? Um, from uh, I don't what's know. What's your go-to place? Late, like I'd been really craving Big Macs because they keep showing like two for five commercials. Uh, so I made like a healthier version of like a Big Mac pizza with like cauliflower. Ugh. But cauliflower, cauliflower crust. crust is nasty. It's still a ton of carbs, That's but nasty. it was so fucking. It was, it, was, it was soft as like diarrhea. Is what <laughs> it felt like. It did feel like eating diarrhea. Yeah. You know what they should make? You know that. <laughs> I was curious of, of looking into that because it's keto. It has no carbs. Try it out, man. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> we have one. You know how they have the, the mannequins that you put in your car so it looks like you're not alone? Yeah. So yeah. they should have one of those that you put in your car when you go to the drive-thru so you can pretend that all the food you're buying is for this other person. <laughs> if it's an obese mannequin, too, they might and, think and it's so, just right, for the mannequin so only. You can pretend. You'd be like, oh, what did you say you wanted? <laughs> Right? As you're ordering, and then you drive up, and it looks like there's someone with you. I know they know. And maybe there's like a little switchboard. You press a button, and it's like, you know, like it makes noises to the realism. Or it's like, I, I, don't I get anymore. a meal and a happy meal. So it's like, they just think I have a kid. I have a kid in the back seat. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys are being so open with, uh, you know, discussing the fast food. That's good, because I want... You know, we're gonna. There's gonna be questions. I feel like that we're gonna need to ask about different fast food places along the uh, journey here today. But I think maybe we can kick it off with just. I want, I'm curious to know, like, have you guys ever seen anything fucking crazy happen in a fast food place? And if not crazy, maybe you could give us a gross story instead, like, because those are a little more common. I feel like. Denny's doesn't count as fast food, right? Yeah, we can count Denny's. So one time it was like after a school dance or something, because Denny's is open 24 hours. We're at Denny's and this guy at a different table just threw a plate at a girl sitting across from him and it just started a huge fight at Denny's. For no reason? I don't don't know what the reason was. Like at her face? Yeah. (laughs) Did it hit her face? I... I saw like the plate. plate. I heard the like plate breaking, but I didn't see what happened. It was like described to me later, but oh, I don't know if it hit her face. What was on the plate? <laughs> Probably moons over my hammy. <laughs> John skeptic. Uh, I'm just thinking. I can't think of anything. I did. I mean, there's a funny story. I went to when they first opened the. Chick-fil-A in Warwick because there was never any around here before that. The fucking place is still never takes a break. 
Oh, right? it's always packed. It's crazy. But, but we went in there, and uh, I was waiting in line, and this woman and her daughter came in, and they looked like kind of rich. They had that look about them, you know, mm. nice clothes and everything. And they're standing there, and they're looking up at the menu, and they were just like, this is just a fast food place. And they walked out. <laughs> and so someone had been like, oh, you got to go here. It's really good chicken. And they thought it was like a fancy restaurant or something. Some place called Chick-fil-A. They thought it was like a fucking sit-down restaurant. Chick-fil-A. Like an apostrophe. And it wasn't, good, it wasn't good enough Blech. for them, so they just walked right out. And I bet you now they like totally banished that person from their lives. I don't know. It was just, I'm like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. That's pretty fucked up. You don't got to... But, you know, actually... Being poor is definitely associated with the fast food industry, I feel like. You know, you don't see too many fucking uh, knock-down, drag-out brawls at Ruth Chris. But You can't... <laughs> it's harder to get house, healthy know? food for, like... A, there's no healthy food dollar menu anywhere. You know? No, they make healthy food so expensive and bad food so cheap. And accessible. And accessible, yeah. What do you got for us, Gene? Any, any weirdness? I feel like you've been inside quite a few <laughs> fast food arenas. You know me too well. Um, yeah, when I, I guess during high school, uh, the whole jackass thing was big with, <laughs> with like a lot of the group of friends I hung out with. So they would do like stupid shit a lot of times and thought it was cool. Um, a particular friend of mine uh, decided, uh, I don't know why, decided to dip uh, McDonald's French fry. In uh, the McDonald's bathroom toilet, Ew. <laughs> like like he literally scrubbed. The like, was room. anyone filming it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So at least, not yeah. that that justifies it that much, but and he ate it afterwards. That's disgusting. Sick. And he threw up in the same toilet. <laughs> was he drunk or did he just throw up? Uh, no, he wasn't drunk. He was sober. Just a fucking idiot. Did he realize at that point that maybe the jackass stuff wasn't for him? Like, if you can't handle. <laughs> A single French fry that's been dipped in a toilet without puking, then it's probably not your cup of tea, dude. Probably not, yeah. yeah. Um, no, he kept, he, he kept going strong after that. I, yeah, that's an awesome one. I like it. You brought the gross with that one. Uh, we had... There's this one classic story. I don't know if I've told it on the podcast, but uh, me and my buddy George, when we were younger in high school, we used to go to the Wendy's. And the Wendy's was like, in CF, is like right near a bus stop. And like, you know, it's a pretty... It's a classic joint. It's like a lot of transient folk will show up in there. And so there was this very strange old white man with a cowboy hat and um, some other just deranged looking dude. And they're dining together, you know, like a real meeting of the minds here. And we're sitting diagonal in a in a booth from them, and like there's this weird plant tree kind of in between us, so we kind of see him, and we're here, we're over here in their conversation, and he's like, the the only thing I remember is like the guy is looking at the dude with the cowboy hat, and he's like, I got two of them tied up down there, you want to go with me? Two of them tied up, and he's talking. I don't know if he was talking about he had like people tied up somewhere. That's what it. That's what it made it seem like. What the fuck? Just mad creepy. And that's a really old memory. But most recently, a good one was uh, when I was traveling for business. We went to this uh, like all night diner after kind of going out on the town or whatever. And um, like this kid was completely passed the fuck out in the diner. 
And the cop comes in and he's like, dude, you got to have to wake him up or I, I got to call the ambulance. Like he's not doing, he's not doing anything. And they like, as it was kind of happening as we were leaving and as we were leaving, like they literally, all the friends of the kid had a, each a limb and they're like dragging him out and he's completely, I thought he was dead, dude. I thought the kid was dead. He was not moving. There was no signs of life. And he's like, dude, I got to call the, the cops like, dude, I got to call the ambulance. <laughs> and they called the ambulance. Was he alive? I don't know. It was one of those crazy nights. I ended up riding back in like the fucking trunk of a taxi, like <laughs> like the, the hatch trunk? of it, you know, like like the taxi driver was cool. It was just a weird night, but but yeah, that's that's what I got. So there's all these different kind of crazy stories uh, about fast food places, but we're gonna get into some some really dark ones right now. So we'll kick it off with number five, the Wendy's Massacre. Have you guys heard about this before? The Wendy's Massacre? No. Mm-hmm. Can't say. Yeah. All right. Well, in May. Drowning of- in Frosties, though, is one way I would like to die. Sounds delicious. It is. Well, I could tell you there was none of that here, but uh, in May of 2000, a Wendy's establishment was the site of a horrific crime that probably could have happened to anyone. A former employee of the Queens Base location, 36-year-old John Taylor, and his friend Craig Godinux. Godinux. Fuck. How did I? Hold on. I'm. I'm not gonna. F- I gotta say his name a bunch of times, so I'm not gonna fuck it up. I got the pronunciation right here. Godinux. It's like God. Just he play. Knows. Just play to hit the button every Godinus. time. Godinux. <laughs> God, he knows. Okay, so Craig. <laughs> Try uh, they he so John Taylor and Craig Godinos uh, constructed a sinister blueprint to rob the restaurant. Since Taylor worked at the burger joint, he was friendly with all the people that worked there, and he convinced the manager to assemble the entire staff in his basement, uh, feeding them the fabrication that they were going to have a meeting. So like, he had like a gun on him and shit though. And that's how, like, he was down there, and then the manager called for, like, everybody else to come down. Instead, Taylor and Godinos tied up the seven workers, gagged them, and then shot each of them in the head. Five of the workers died, two survived. One of the survivors called 911, and two days later, uh, the pair of Taylor and Godinos were arrested with the $2,400 that they stole from Wendy's. So it only ended up being... $2,400. I get some excerpts from this one of the survivor, this guy, Patrick Castro, his account of like what happened. So it says the witness, this is like when he was recounting it kind of on the stand, but it says the witness, Patrick Castro, 24, told Queen's jury that he woke up in like a walk in refrigerator with his head covered in a plastic garbage bag, his eyes and mouth were stuck shut with duct tape and his wrists were bound tightly together behind his back and he found himself uh, surrounded by bodies. He's like, is everybody okay? He recalled saying, and there was a silence. Mr. Castro's testimony is considered crucial in the case against John B. Taylor, who could be sentenced to death if he is convicted. Mr. Castro, breaking down in tears, 
as the prosecutor asked him to identify the defendant sitting 10 feet away in the crowded Queens courtroom. Then he recounted the massacre from beginning to end, speaking publicly about it for the first time and providing gruesome details from the crime that transfixed the city when it occurred May 24th of 2000. So in doing so, uh, Mr. Castro, an immigrant from Ecuador who had taken a job at the Wendy's only two weeks before the robbery and the murders, told the story of his unlikely survival. The first indication of trouble that night came from the speakerphone. Mr. Castro said um, that he noticed two men had come into the store and heard one of them, Mr. Taylor, asked to speak to the manager. So, I mean, they, they knew this guy, so like he, he wasn't really, like his antenna wasn't up on this at all. He just thought it was like he's going to say hi or whatever, maybe. Um, but a short while later over the speakerphone, he heard come downstairs, and that was like broadcast to everyone. There's a downstairs at the Wendy's? That's the first thing I said when you said basement. I'm like, were they yeah. at someone's house? But it's in Queens. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was like, I guess they had like a, the walk-in <laughs> freezer in the basement. Yeah. So. Were there customers around? No, this was like around midnight. Oh, okay. So, but you know what I mean? Like those kind of jobs, I feel like, you know, when you work them, like friends come by and shit and it's like, there's a real family atmosphere usually with those, like just people chilling, working at a kind of gig like that. You guys think so? They're I've never worked chilling. fast food, but I could see it. Yeah. Like anytime you're working late at a place when there's not a lot of people around. Right. Like a low paying job too. You know what I mean? Like I worked at a bar and we used to stay and drink for hours after we closed. So. Yeah. That's how you developed, you know, what? I, I can't think of the liver disease. Cirrhosis? Cirrhosis. <laughs> I don't have cirrhosis. Okay. John Skeptic does not have cirrhosis, guys. Um, a short while later, yeah, after the speakerphone thing, Mr. Castro said he assumed it was the manager, but he wondered why he would call a meeting so close to closing time near midnight. Mr. Castro and the other employees complied, he said, walking in a single file down the stairs to the basement where a man that Mr. Castro described throughout his testimony as the chunky man <laughs> and whom he later identified as Mr. Taylor was holding a gun at his hip. The most haunting part of Mr. Castro's testimony came as he recounted what happened after he fainted. When he came to, he said that he was still in the walk-in refrigerator where the employees had been ordered to go after they, were, after they were bound and gagged. It was in the basement refrigerator that Mr. Castro had carefully placed a tray of uncooked patties after cleaning up the hamburger station to get ready for closing. And even though that night was only the fourth day of his work, uh, he was familiar with the chill of the air and the scent of the raw meat and tomatoes and chopped onions that were stored inside. As he became more alert, he said that he felt a heavy weight bearing down on his knees and he began to remember uh, in vivid flashes of horror. There was a man with a gun, the chunky man, someone said at one point. There are no more bullets. Someone said at one point, there are no more bullets. There were two gunshots so loud that his ears were ringing and then the cashier screamed, what happened? What happened? Then another shot rang out and the cashier was silent. As he, peered, as he pieced it all together, he wiggled his wrist free of the tape, peeled away the plastic from his head, and ripped the tape off of his eyes and mouth and peered around, around and out. He asked if everybody was okay, um, but he said he recalled seeing all their bodies on the floor. No one answered. 
Mr. Castro said that he soon realized that there was blood dripping from his face. What was the weight on your knees? asked Daniel Saunders, the assistant district attorney. Ali, Mr. Castro said, referring to Ali Abdot, a 40-year-old co-worker that had been killed. Mr. Castro said that he did not know it then, but that he'd been shot in the right cheek just below his ear and left for dead. Throughout the testimony, relatives of the victim sobbed, particularly as Mr. Castro mentioned the names of the dead. Joan Truman Smith, whose 22-year-old daughter, Anna C. Smith, was one of the slaying's uh, victims, burrowed her head in her hands and wept as Mr. Castro recounted Smith's screams. Mr. Taylor did not look up in defense uh, from the defense table throughout Mr. Castro's testimony. Lawyers of Mr. Taylor, 38, have argued that he is guilty of killing only the Wendy's manager, Jean Dumel Auguste, 27, and that an, that his accomplice, uh, Craig Godinoke's I'm probably fucking that up again, huh? Do you guys remember how I God he knows. God he knows. Uh, killed four other employees. Others killed and shot that night were Jeremy Mele, 18, and Ramon Nazaro, 44. Prosecutors said that Mr. Taylor and Mr. Godinos um, got away with the 2400. Castro was... He ended up just getting minor wounds, I guess. Um... And the other employee, Jaquon Johnson, he was seriously injured, but he ended up uh, surviving. And like when he took the bag off his head and stuff, I guess they were like, he freaked out. He heard a noise and he thought that they were going to like, they, that they were still there and they were going to come and finish him off. But I guess it was that other guy um, that was in there, mm. uh, Jaquon. And eventually he carried the dude upstairs like on his shoulders after while he was shot, and then he crawled around the restaurant like a baby, like he said. That's how he described it, like looking to see if they were still there, before retreating to the manager's office um, to make to phone the police. So, in the end, um, it was revealed that Mr. Godinos, uh, he he was mildly retarded, uh, pleaded guilty to his role in the crime. And he ended up serving a life sentence. But I think because of uh, his mental issues, you know, they didn't go for death with him. And then Taylor was sentenced to death, but uh, this was New York. So he'd eventually end up being resentenced to life without parole for the five murders. So this is a pretty scary situation. I mean, people are just working a very average job. Someone has like closing about to go home too. Yeah. So it's like you're already like in that mindset where you're like, okay, I'm almost done. It's just like a thing. I, I thought particularly like this is a thing that could just. It's just poor luck, you know. This could happen to anybody. And the crazy part to me was like, it's not like he wanted to. He wanted to kill these people. Like he just wanted to steal money, but he valued their life so insignificantly. That for a little bit of cash, he had no problem executing seven. Like, they tried to execute seven. They killed five, but I don't know. I think forcing people into, like, one of those those walk-in freezers, too. Like, that is pretty much torturing someone. Like, locking them in one of those or, like, putting them in one. So, And I feel like that's in every, like, horror movie, too. Mm -hmm. So, 
I feel like this guy is sadistic for sure. Like Makes enjoyed like killing people. Yeah. It does beg the question though. What's your favorite item on the Wendy's menu? Spicy uh, nuggets. The chocolate frosty. Uh, I like their chili. Really? Ooh, yeah. yeah. Even though Forgot the finger was found chili. in their chili. Yeah, I mean that was, was a hoax. So that was a yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about yours? If it was, would you would you still eat it? Would I eat it if there were a finger in my chili? Like if you had heard that there was a finger and it was legitimate, would that have impact? No, probably not. You'd still rank it number one. Yeah. You stir it around a little bit before eating. I like their nuggets too, personally. Yeah. <laughs> Nugget gang. Nugget gang, yo. Gang, gang. Number four, the pork bun murders. Oh, shit. Pork bun. I love pork buns. One of the most horrific murders that still sends chills through the uh, through um, residents is the pork bun murders of 1984. So this one's like a, this is an older one, but it's pretty uh, it's pretty crazy. This one's takes place in China. Um, oh, those kind of pork buns. Yeah. Okay. So like humbao. Yeah, bao. Yeah, bao. Akbao. Akhtar. Um, Eatery owner Zhang Lin. Have you guys heard of this before, actually? No. 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 It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Um, Eatery owner Zhang Lin, as well as nine of his family members, were killed by Huang Ziheng (laughs) in their local restaurant, The Eight Immortals, after numerous financial disputes. Lin was a hawk-turned-businessman but was still known to be an avid gambler, racking up huge amounts of debts across town. Prior to this Eight Immortals restaurant, um, Huang had a violent past, which included many disputes over money, and he was known to be one of the largest gamblers in Hong Kong. In 1973, one of these disputes turned vicious, and Huang ended up committing his first murder. This led him to flee Hong Kong for several years, even burning off his own fingertips to avoid being connected to the previous crimes. When he finally ventured back to Hong Kong, he once again entered the gambling scene, frequently placing high-stake bets with Zhang. This bet accrued to uh, 600,000 yuan. Oh, I got it right here. Hold on. Yuan. 600,000 yuan. Uh, equating to just, and at that time, I guess it translates to like about 1.4 million U.S. dollars. Yo. Um, unable to pay these debts, Zhang struck a deal uh, that he had just one year to recover the funds or the restaurant would become Huang's. However, once the year was up, Zhang still did not repay his debts. This led, to, this led Huang to the Eight Immortals restaurant where he proceeded to take hostage and kill Zhang's family. The scene quickly became violent, with Huang smashing numerous glass bottles and collecting the jagged pieces as weapons. Huang then took one of Zhang's sons hostage in the restaurant by holding the glass to his neck, whilst forcing the other family members to bind and gag themselves. One of the other family members managed to break free and screamed for help at the door of the restaurant. This angered Huang, who then stabbed her to death with a piece of the glass before massacring the other nine victims. It is believed that he stabbed most of his victims with the broken fragments of glass 
while also strangling them to death as well. Once he was through with his vicious act, he took the largest butcher knives from the kitchen and uh, proceeded to dismember the ten bodies over the course of eight hours. It's kind of interesting. The Eight Immortals restaurant <laughs> took him eight hours to dismember their bodies. Yeah. Uh, he wrapped the remains in plastic trash bags. Most of these parts were dumped in nearby dumpsters and thrown into the ocean. What do you guys think about this so far? It's insane. It's pretty crazy. I'm, I was just thinking of like, that must be fucking exhausting. He killed yeah. 10 people by himself? And, like, if you're holding broken glass, you're going to get, cutting... like, cut up and... Uh... guy's a savage. Like, because they would be fighting you, I'm assuming. I think. Yeah, I think he got some of them to bind each other at first, but still. I would have I binded myself kind of loosely. Nice and loose. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh... See, if you... You can overcome him. I, I mean, it's so if he's it's killing weird. One like of them. he didn't have like it doesn't talk about him having like a gun. They just must have feared him off of like reputation alone and like that type of shit. But I mean, if you're fucking stabbing my family member, and there's like fucking nine of us left. I mean, probably little kids, right? Yeah, I Maybe. think so. definitely a bunch of them were kids, probably. That's fucked. And probably a lot of them were ladies. Not to say that. They couldn't do anything, but you know what I mean? Like, they were probably scared. But. Yeah. So his name was Wang Lohang? Lo Wang? <laughs> uh, Lo Wang. So this isn't where it finishes, though. There's a little bit more that's pretty interesting on how he got uh, captured and caught. Huang then wrote a note to say that Zhang and his family had ventured to the mainland and that the restaurant would be closed while they were away. Four days after the massacre, a swimmer found eight pieces of human limbs on a beach nearby, initially thought to be involved in a shark attack. However, forensic tests concluded that the cuts were too clear to be anything but a knife, and the police began a laborious investigation. Over the next week, forensics also determined that the limbs belonged to four, uh, to four individuals and three more body fragments washed up on the beach. This sparked heavy media interest, and many theories were, were formed surrounding the mystery. Meanwhile, Huang reopened the Eight Immortals restaurant and was operating it himself over the weeks that followed. Once the body parts were identified as that of the Zheng family, suspicion immediately fell upon Huang he was monitored by the police over numerous days and eventually led them to a nearby dumpster where he retrieved more dismembered body parts. This led to his arrest where he was found guilty and charged and later confessing to the heinous crime. Possibly one of the most spine-chilling factors of the crime is the rumors that were sparked surrounding what Huang did with the rest of the body parts. It is alleged that he cooked the final remains of the Zheng family with the pork and served it in the infamous Eight Immortals pork buns to the customers. Mm. These, suspicious naturally, these suspicions naturally showed a rapid decline in the consumption of pork buns across Hong Kong for many months and is why the case is commonly referred to as the pork bun murders. The fascination with the case later led to a film titled The Untold Story in 1993, to be made. 
which received great public interest. Yeah. I love those buns. Pork buns are dope. Yeah. Well, that leads to my next question. What would you say is your favorite uh, Asian American kind of uh, yum yum? That's tough. I like dumplings. Dumps? What's that? Dumplings. Oh. <laughs> They're good. I like the barbecue pork with the hot mustard is pretty good. Yo, that sounds banging. John Skeptic? Uh, I like pho. Really? Yeah. I had pho. It's pretty good. Do you get it with tripe? No. I don't like tripe. It just sicks me out. Tripe. Yeah, that's gross. I mean, I thought for sure someone would have said <laughs> crab rangoon maybe, uh, but I really like uh, I, I like the way Asian restaurants like do just like fried chicken wings. I mean, yeah. I fucking love those. The last couple times we went to a Chinese restaurant, we got the poo-poo platter. Oh, yeah. Which... Uh, Can't go wrong with that. A little bit of everything. Ellie really likes to order. <laughs> she, she thinks it's funny. Yeah, the, I the thought it was poo- funny. Poo-poo. It is funny. Yeah. She calls it the poopy platter. <laughs> <laughs> Did they give you the gel in the middle that they yeah. light on fire? Yep. I love that. Yeah. You can cook your food a little bit more if you want. Yeah. You ever do that? Cook your food a little more? No. But you I was thinking, you though, that uh, calling back to last week's episode, the uh, Eight Immortals would be a good band name. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> the Porky Bunch. Even if there were only, like, four people in the band. Yeah. <laughs> they, or you could say, oh, we all got split personalities, yeah, though. The, the Eight Immortals. Yeah. You know? Or the Low Wings. Or the Pork Buns. The yeah. Pork Buns. That's cool. All right, you guys ready for number three? Yeah, um, that's a lot of stomach. Us. Do you do you guys have a guess on what it might be? Uh, Mickey D's. Katie, I'm hoping for a Burger King one in here. Yo, John is Um, Waffle House. Oh hell yeah! There's oh, always Waffle, Waffle House. House. All great guesses, guys. But this one I had never heard of, and I I doubt you guys have either. Number three is the Taco Bell Strangler. <laughs> what? Have you guys heard of this? I never heard of this. I never heard of it. No? Is mm. it the Chihuahua? <laughs> yeah, because he has thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> Serial killer Henry Louis Wallace killing spree began in 1990 with the murder of Tashonda Betha in his hometown of Barnwell, South Carolina. He went on to rape and murder nine women in Charlotte, North Carolina between 92 and 94. So this guy killed 10 people. And I never even heard of him. That's pretty crazy. He was arrested on March 13, 1994. After a subsequent trial and conviction, Wallace, a.k.a. the Taco Bell Strangler, was given the death penalty on nine counts and is awaiting awaiting sentence to be carried out. I bet you his final meal will be a chalupa. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so in his early life, uh, it says he was born November 4th, 1965 in Barnwell, South Carolina to Lottie Mae Wallace, uh, a single mother. So this is kind of like, I found an interesting like profile on him. So I thought we could look at this and it kind of gives a timeline of uh, what, what stuff happened. But it says the home Wallace uh, shared with his older sister by three years, his mother and his great grandmother had no plumbing or electricity. Wallace's mother was a strict disciplinarian who had little patience for her son. She did not get along with her mother either, 
and the two argued constantly. Despite the fact that Lottie worked long hours in a full-time job in a textile mill, the family had very little money, and Wallace outgrew his clothing. He was given his sister's hand-me-downs to wear. When Lottie felt the children needed to be disciplined, she was too tired to do it herself, and she often made Wallace and his sister get an, get a switch from the yard and whip each other. So instead of so she made the children beat each other. That's kind of That's disturbing, weird. right? Yeah. That might fuck you up a little down if, the line. If they refused, then she has to get up and do it, right? She's like, yeah, then I, I bet you they, they got beatings from her. So, like, maybe you make a deal with your sister. Like, yo, I'll whip you with the switch just a little bit. You know, <laughs> I'll make it look good. Yeah. Like pro wrestling shit, you know? That's yeah. true. Uh, high school and college, despite his volatile home life, Wallace was popular at Barnwell High School. He was on the student council, and his mother would not allow, uh, but his mother would not allow him to play football. So he became a cheerleader instead, which probably like makes sense with him wearing his sister's hand-me-downs, right? Yeah, natural transition. Wallace enjoyed high school and the positive feedback he received from the students, but academically his performance was less than stellar. After graduating in 1983, he attended one semester at South Carolina State College and one semester at a technical college. At the time, Wallace worked part-time as a disc jockey, which he preferred to college. Unfortunately, his radio career was short-lived. He was fired after he was caught stealing CDs. Oh, man. We've all been there. Um, Remember CDs, guys? Yeah. (laughs) For the listeners, they were uh, circular discs that you would put in and listen to in uh, musical. That's not what it stands for. would come out. What is it? Compact. Well, I know. I'm just saying they were circular oh, discs. <laughs> I thought that that's what you thought CD was. Dude, everyone knows what CDs are. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're they, not that old. They it's not still like, exist. Yeah. It's, it's not like payphones. <laughs> CDs, guys. Check them out. I, <laughs> CDs nuts. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I'm not giving them enough credit. Yeah, John, even babies, huh? Babies know what a CD is? No. <laughs> All right. Babies don't know what anything is, so that's fair. Yeah. All right. Um, so Have you guys ever put a CD in a microwave? Yeah. No. It's, no. You should simply. try it. You have, since, what happens? Since they have, maybe we can do, uh, do a CD. Not here. Yeah. I don't want to ruin it for you. <laughs> <laughs> no. Try it at home. No spoilers. Yeah. Give it a whirl. Okay. Uh, Navy marriage and downward spiral. With nothing holding him at Barnwell, Wallace joined the U.S. Naval Reserve. From all reports, he did what he was told, and he did it well. In 1985, he married high school classmate Moretta uh, Babram. And in addition to becoming a husband, he also took on the role of stepfather to Babram's daughter. Not long after he was married, Wallace began using drugs, and his (laughs) drug of choice was crack cocaine. (laughs) To pay for the narcotics, he began burglarizing homes and businesses. While stationed in Washington, he was served with burglary warrants for crimes in Seattle metro area. Your hometown, dude. In January, yeah, he was. In January of '88, he was arrested for breaking into a hardware store and later pled guilty to a charge of second-degree burglary. The judge sentenced him to two years of supervised probation, and according to his probation officer. Wallace blew off most of the mandatory meetings. 
In February 1991, Wallace broke into his old high school and the radio station where he once worked. He stole video and recording equipment and was caught trying to pawn them. In 1992, he was arrested for breaking and entering. Due to his near-perfect service record, Wallace managed to get an honorable discharge from the Navy when his criminal activity came to light, but he was sent on, to, but he was sent on his way. Shortly thereafter, his wife, uh, his wife, him, in November of that year, he relocated to Charlotte, North Carolina, where he found work at several fast food restaurants. Okay, so here's the timeline real quick. Wallace's murder timeline. In early 1990, Wallace murdered Tashonda Beth, uh, Betha in his hometown of Barnwell, dumped her body into a lake. Her corpse was not discovered until weeks later. Wallace was questioned by the police regarding her disappearance, but was never formally charged in her murder. He was also questioned in connection with the attempted rape of a 16-year-old Barnwell girl, but again, not charged. So, two years later, in May of 92, Wallace picked up Sharon Nance, a convicted drug dealer and known prostitute. When she demanded payment for her services, Wallace beat her to death, then dropped her body by the railroad tracks. She was found a few days later. Just one month later, in June of 92, he raped and strangled Caroline Love, at her apartment, then dumped her body into a wooded area. Love was a friend of Wallace's girlfriend. After he killed her, um, that's pretty crazy, huh? After he killed her, and he and his sister filed a missing persons report at the police station. It would be almost two years, March of 94, before her body was discovered. February 19th, 93, Wallace strangled Shauna Hawk at her home after first having sex with her and then later went to her funeral. Hawk worked at the Taco Bell where Wallace was her supervisor. In March of 93, Hawk's mother, Dee Sumter, and her grandmother, Judy Williams, found mothers of murdered off- founded Mothers of Murdered Offspring, a Charlotte-based support group for parents of murdered children. On June 22nd, he raped and strangled co-worker Audrey Spain, her body was found two days later. Like, they have to caught on to him by this third one. He's like, a crackhead, too, which is the crazy part. Like, so he's probably, act, like, you know that the police must have talked to him. Like, if you're like, oh, yeah, like, another girl I know got strangled. Like, after the third one, you start to suspect the person, right? Absolutely. It's pretty, I mean, maybe they didn't have any evidence to tie to him. I don't know. But... Either way, so that was June 22nd. On August 10th, 93, Wallace raped and strangled Valencia M. Jumper, a friend of his sister. He's killing, like, all of his sister's friends, too. This is what I'm saying. Like, it's not like people that don't know each other, and he, like, they're his co-workers, too. If you notice, he is kind of doing different stuff, though. On this one, he set her on fire to try and cover up his crime. (laughs) A few days after the murder, he and his sister went to Valencia's funeral. A month later... In September 1993, he went to the apartment of Michelle Stinson, a struggling college student and single mother of two sons. Stinson was a a friend of his from Taco Bell. He raped her and then sometime later strangled and stabbed her in front of her eldest son. Doesn't say that that if he killed the son, which that's fucking really weird. Hmm. Um, I wonder if the kid was like a baby and couldn't talk. I don't know. It doesn't really say. February 4th, 94, Wallace was arrested for shoplifting, but police had 
not made a connection between him and the murders. On February 20th, 1994, Wallace strangled Vanessa Little Mac, another Taco Bell employee. Little Mac? Yeah, that's really her name. Uh, in her apartment, Mac had two daughters, aged seven and four months at the time of her death. On March 8th, 1994, Wallace robbed and strangled Betty Jean Baucom, Um And Betty was Wallace's girlf- girlfriend's... Oh, I'm sorry. Be- they were co-workers, too, I guess. It says Baucom was Wallace's girlfriend... And Wallace's girlfriend were co-workers. After, so I guess that's it. she didn't work for the Taco Bell, but she just worked with his girl. His girlfriend He's literally or fucking wife. killing everyone around him. Yeah. Like, it's not like he's going random. He's he's going for a period of years killing, like, everyone that... Those cops suck. Yeah, it sounds like the shittiest police force in the country. <laughs> a bunch of dumbasses over there. It's crazy. Um, afterward, he took the valuables from her house, left her apartment, and he took her car. He oh pawned God. everything except the car, which he left at a shopping center. Wallace went back to the same apartment complex the night of March 8th, 1994, knowing that a man named Bernice Woods would be at work and would have access to Woods' girlfriend, Brandy June, and, would have, and he would have access to Woods' girlfriend, Brandy June Henderson. Wallace raped Henderson while she held her baby and then strangled her. He also strangled her son, but the boy survived. Afterwards, Wallace took some of the valuables from the apartment and left. The police beefed up controls in East Charlotte after two bodies of young black women were found at the the Lake Apartment Complex. Even so, Wallace sneaked through to rob and strangle Deborah Ann Slaughter, who had been a co-worker of his girlfriend, and stabbed her 38 times in the stomach and chest. Her body was found March 12, 1994. So you can see he did a, a lot of... There's a lot of strangulation, but then he also did certain other weird shit. He was experimenting, I guess. So that's, like that a, was a fucking like crazy timeline, though. Like a socioeconomic issue going on here with the police just don't care. It's like the least of these are the victims. Yeah, kind of right. Thing. Well, also, I think part of it, too, is that, um, like, it's like, uh, it's weird. It's a bunch of things coming together. Not only is he, the sexual gratification he's gaining, right, from the rapes, the physical violence, but then also the robbery. That's a weird one to me. Well, if he's a crackhead. Well, but usually serial killers and sexual deviants don't give a fuck about, like, the whole primary thing is just committing the crime and hurting the person. Like it's kind of weird to have those three intertwined, but yeah. Yeah. It's like the sherry on top for him, but how do they up the security and he still sneak through? Well, once they up the security, cause they said they, yeah, it's like, it says here that Wallace was arrested on March 13th, 1994. For 12 hours, he confessed to the murders of 10 women in Charlotte. He described in detail the women's appearances, how he raped, robbed, and killed them, and spoke about his crack addiction. Over the next two years, Wallace's trial was delayed due to, due to the choice of venue, DNA evidence from murdered victims, and jury selection. Proceedings began in September of 96. 
On January 7th, 97, Wallace was found guilty of the nine murders, and on January 29th, he was sentenced to nine death sentences. On June 5th, 98, Wallace married a former prison nurse, Rebecca Torres, Torrias, in a ceremony that was held next to the execution chamber where he had been sentenced to die. Since his convict, I mean, that's fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Who marries this? Let's pause on that for Did a second. Did they let her keep her job? I'd be like, you're fucking fired. Well, former. Mm. It says former. So but she- that has to be how they met, right? Like, ugh. That's not so. But talk about strangler. Uh, it says, lastly, since his conviction, Wallace has made several appeals in an attempt to overturn his death sentences. He stated that his confessions had been coerced and his constitutional rights had been violated. In 2000, North Carolina's Supreme Court upheld the death sentences. His appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court was denied in 2001, and in 2005, Superior Court Judge Charles Lamb rejected a further appearance to overturn Wallace's convictions and nine death sentences. Heavy. That's the Taco Bell Strangler. Are you, like, texting over there? Like, what? No. I don't have my phone. (laughs) You're just going like this the whole time? Just heavy, man. I mean... I just find it funny. I've never seen someone do a podcast with their head down. Well, like, I don't know. Like, you know when you, like, interlock your fingers and it kind of looks cool? Like, that's what I was looking at. But, I mean... (laughs) This is ridiculous. Because... Like, I'm trying to visualize this. Because like, I was, like, wondering, I'm like, is this dude hot? Like, why? Or, like, or is it one of the nurses that is, like, a hybristophile or whatever? Like, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not attracted to men by any means, but uh, no, he's okay. not hot. He <laughs> right. got that hot sauce. Any thoughts on the Taco Bell Strangler? What's your favorite menu on the Taco Bell? Uh, favorite uh, <laughs> item on the Taco Bell menu? Strangulation. Frankly, he's like, give me a good choking. <laughs> That'll fuck. be five fifty, please. I'm gonna say right now, fuck Taco Bell's drinks. Not, oh come on, Baja Baja. That's exclusive. No, it's so gross. Like I don't know how you do it. Yo, disgusting. No, don't know how you don't. Uh-huh. That's the only place you can find it, right? For yeah. a reason. Yeah, it's exclusive. <laughs> we went to Taco Bell in. Uh, I was in like Johnston or something, and there was this kid. He was like probably like eighteen. And we were ordering, and he's like, "Oh, you know they're having five dollar, five dollar subs over at the subway." He's like, "You should go over there." What the fuck? And it's like his manager heard him and got real angry at him and yelled. It was hilarious. <laughs> he didn't give a shit. It's like he's redirecting. He he's must know something fucked up's going on in there. I don't know. He, I think he just version. didn't care. He was just being a fuck up. He was just being a smartass. Yeah. <laughs> Did you go to the subway? No, no, we we wanted Taco Bell. So they don't have sour cream there. Uh, yeah, I mean they don't have uh, Mexi melts or yeah fiesta potatoes. The Mexi melt is a hidden gem on the Taco Bell menu that many people don't know about. Or nachos bel grande, right? Though the Mexi melt that's a weird one because there's no fucking. What is you that? You can't eat these things while you're driving. It's just the meat, the cheese, and the tomatoes, I believe, right? Yeah, my uh, my wife likes the Mexi melt, so I'm not. Yeah, a me fan. too. Aren't they all the same like ingredients? Everything in the <laughs> yeah, but this one's just the bullshit's out. You know, you don't need that uh, fucking iceberg crowding up your taco. You just want that straight. Meat I like the and quesadilla. Cheese. 
There's no meat the in the Mexi Mexi-Melt. Yeah, there is. No, it's just ch cheese and No, it's ground, it's ground beef. You're, you thinking, of the seven, you're thinking of the seven-layer burrito. I'll Google it just because I see the skepticism in your eyes. <laughs> Dude, how would I be thinking of a seven-layer burrito having <laughs> no meat in it? Well, I'm telling you, you're wrong about the meat in the Mexican. Okay. I'll prove it real quick. But I'm while sure you I'm can proving order it, it either Katie, way. Uh, no, nacho, it's the Mexi-Milk. The nacho fries way. are my favorite. <laughs> uh, those those have like jalapeno peppers in it? No. Oh, I think. Yeah. They're just french fries with like a oh. kind of like spicy coating and then they give you cheese to dip it in. Those are new, right? Or somewhat They're new. like there sometimes and not there other times. The Mexi Melt Those are really good actually. Is a specialty wrong. menu item available at Taco Bell. It's a cross between a fresco soft taco and a quesadilla. It has flour tortilla, seasoned ground beef, and fiesta salsa. And a fresh soft taco and melted three cheese blend. Like, are you proud no, of I'm yourself? For I'm just saying, this? dude, I fucking know the Mexi Melt. That's the thing. And that uh, Andre's going to be very disappointed in uh, what you've brought to the table today, John. Maybe the strangler killed them because they didn't know, like... Can I quiz you on another item? Can you, bring like, it on. Name? Imagine you quizzed them, like... Yo, what's part of the, the Mexi Melt? And they failed. <laughs> and like, yeah, if they don't tell. <laughs> That's great. Um, my favorite, I think I'm, I, I like the cheesy gordita crunch a lot. Mm. What's your favorite? Uh, I don't know. I like the nachos Bel Grande. Bel Grande. And you? The quesadilla. Oh, chicken quesadilla, right? Steak. Oh, really? Yeah, like okay. that rubber, okay. That, uh, that fucking dog meat. What's up, Katie? As nacho fries. <laughs> nacho. Oh yeah, those. That's nacho a, fries. And that's a newer item in its infancy. It's delicious. Uh, it's kind of tied with the Fiesta potatoes too, but they yeah. were bigger back then. I don't like Fiesta potatoes. No, so I had those. I don't they like them. Good. I think so. I miss the old Taco Bells with the big bells in the sign. <laughs> You've ever seen one of these oh, Taco yeah. Bells? The old, yep. old ones? They're fucking awesome. They don't have yeah. bells Vintage. anymore? Nah, they it's don't. Like it's a like a sod bell. or some shit. Oh. Isn't it? I don't know. But it was like the whole sign was shaped like a bell. Yo quiero. Yeah. Yo. Yo quiero Taco Bell. Do you guys remember the Choco Taco? Yeah. We tried looking for it so for good. NXT Takeover when we did that event. We <laughs> wanted to have, because we did tacos and we wanted to have Choco Tacos for like a dessert for everyone. But they're hard to find. They're rare. That's dope. All right, you guys ready for the for number two on our list? Burger King, Burger King, Burger King. Well, you're gonna get a plethora checkers uh, here because number two on the list is the fast food killer. Yo, there's a, there is one. There's a fast food killer. Uh, Cholesterol. And dude, a lot of these I feel like happened in the '90s, in the '80s, like these great these. I'm not, not these great, these, <laughs> these crazy, uh, like, fast food crimes. But on February 15th, 1997, dishwasher and convicted robber Paul Dennis Reed Jr. reportedly hurled a plate. This is why I thought your story was funny. Re reportedly hurled a plate at a fellow employee in the kitchen of a Nashville area Shoney's. The restaurant manager promptly fired the 39-year-old aspiring country singer. Oh. oh, shit. You could put that one on fucking cassette, right? <laughs> I got kicked out the Shoney's. Because <laughs> I threw a plate at his head. <laughs> I wish the bastard were dead. That's great. 
And the following day, investigators said Reed embarked on a killing spree that targeted <laughs> fast food joints and left at least seven people dead. He started close to home, making his way to a Captain D's before the restaurant opened up for the day. Now, real quick, do you guys know what Captain D's is? Never heard of it. Captain D's nuts. Yeah, <laughs> you know it. No, but it's uh, I never I never heard of it either. So when I looked it up, it's kind of like a Long John Silver's, you know, like okay. a like a fast food seafood joint. Mm. Like Skippers. Never heard of that one either. But anyway, so he he headed to the Captain D's before it opened up. Shoney's owned that seafood chain too uh, at the time, and the particular location was near Reed's former workplace. Once inside the Captain D's, Reed was said to have robbed the restaurant and shot manager Steve Hampton, who was 25, and employee Sarah Jackson, who was 16, at point-blank range in the refrigerator, according to the Nashville Public Radio. Again, the refrigerator, it seems like that's where they go. Don't go into a refrigerator of a fucking fast food place ever. Noted. Uh, About a month later, on March 23rd, 1997, Reed is said to have ambushed four McDonald's employees wrapping up a shift in the chain's uh, Hermitage, Tennessee location, according to the Tennessee Supreme Court briefing on the murders. After manager Ronald Santiago, 27, opened up the restaurant's safe, Reed shot him, 17-year-old Andrea Brown and 23-year-old Robert Sewell, execution style, the briefing said. Reed brutally stabbed a fourth victim after the gun malfunctioned. That employee survived the attack. The final murders connected to Reed began at a Baskin-Robbins in Clarksville, Tennessee, on April 23, 1997. I'll make you scream for ice cream. According to the Tennessee Supreme Court summary of the case, Reed abducted two employees, 21-year-old Angela Holmes and 16-year-old Michelle Mace, from the ice cream parlor and later murdered them both in the Dunbar Cave State Park. Strangely enough, the person who ultimately brought an end to the killings was Reed's former manager at Shoney's. The Tennessean reported that on June 25, 1997, the manager opened the door to find the dishwasher he'd fired four months earlier standing there. Reed demanded his job at Shoney's back. (laughs) Then he reportedly pulled a gun and attempted to kidnap his ex-boss. Reed was sentenced to death seven times over, sparking a controversy over his mental competence. After his arrest, Reed's family, notably his sister, Linder Martinano, argued that he was mentally incompetent to uh, too mentally incompetent to stand trial and after his convictions they argued that he was not able to make sound legal decisions reed displayed erratic decision making choosing to appeal some verdicts and not others and professing he will uh, professing his will to die as the sentence and having fought to avoid such a fate earlier in his defense at the, t- at the same time, however, Reed showed signs of paranoia, calling his defense team actors and claiming that he was part of a United States government mind control agency project called Scientific Technology that monitors his every move. In cross-examinations, the prosecutors attempted to counter the defense by claiming Reed was a crafty con artist using these delusions as a defense mechanism. The so-called fast food killer was never executed for his crimes, uh, he ended up dying of natural causes in 2013. I believe it was pneumonia. Yeah. Yeah. Any thoughts on the fast food killer guys? 
pretty crazy how he he was uh most of the killers have stuck within the same franchise so far. <laughs> so you're talking about how he was erratic in court and stuff. Have you ever seen Rick and Morty TV yeah. show? Well, yeah. Katie's more familiar probably though. So there's a I don't really watch a show, but I've seen this scene because it's like all over YouTube and stuff of Rick. Which one's Rick? The Rick is the, the scientist. Smart, the scientist. So he's playing like a criminal, and Morty is this uh, the judge, and it's like a, a Judge Judy type show. And they go back and forth, and they're like swearing. It's very funny. But I discovered recently that that's actually a transcript from a real <laughs> court case. Like in the the stuff the guy is saying to the judge is like suck my cock and all this crazy <laughs> shit, right? <laughs> and it's cr- insane. You got to watch the the clip and then realize that that's not just something they made up for the show. It's an actual transcript. That's pretty cool. Yeah, have to check that out. <laughs> Maybe we can put that up on the uh, videos. That sounds hilarious. Videos www.evilexamined.com. People, we got the fucking UFO sightings up. John's very skeptical of them still. Thinks uh, other technologies may have been used uh, to derive these videos, but oh, but have Weather you seen balloons. Mike's abduction um, evidence? Mike who? Mike from Real Judgment. Oh, he has. He was abducted. He was abducted. We just found out uh, a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Recently, he's got. Recently, he was abducted. <laughs> no. no, he just came out with it recently. Yeah, they gave him a third nipple. So he was abducted. Crush. What when he was younger? Yeah. How old was he? Um, I don't know. Like he's got a strange mark on his inner thigh. It's uh, triangular. That, that's it. Well, he says he remembers people being around his bed too. Not like regular people, you know. You know the the videos up on www.evilexamined.com. <laughs> check it out. Check Video it out. of his abduction. Yeah, we interview him about the abduction, and Gene also shows a third nipple. <laughs> on it. If you want to see that too. Also, John the Skeptic's trachea should be up by now, if you guys want to check that out. Well, you didn't take a picture of it. Oh, well, by the time this comes out, it will. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. I just... People yeah. aren't... Oh, oh, I got you. Okay. But I guess it begs the question, though, guys. Um, Captain D's McDonald's or Baskin Rums? If you could only have one for the rest of your life, what's it going to be? To eat or to murder in? To eat, Katie. Oh. I would hope none of us kill. <laughs> For the rest of your life, you can murder. McDonald's. What's Baskin Robin? Uh, it's like ice, ice cream. cream. 32, the 31 flavors. 31 flavors, sorry. So the, mm. They oh. make you memorize them if you work there. So this is the only fast food type place you can go, or it's the only food you can eat at all? Oh, uh, no, just only like... it. Out of these three, you, you can only pick one. You can still go to other fast food places. Oh, Baskin Robbins. Really? I'm, it's that good? I mean, it's. I don't really care for McDonald's and fuck Uncle D's or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle D's nuts. Like, it sounds trashy. Uh, There's only a couple fish fast food places that are decent. Yeah, I don't like seafood either. Oh, so and I'm, I would never, ever eat it at a fast food place. Is it because of how clams look? No. No. Uh-uh. I'm, on a, I'm actually on a seafood diet right now. I see food, I eat it. Yeah. <laughs> That old gem. <laughs> what did you guys think about the fast food killer? Pretty crazy, huh? I'd it's never nice. heard of him either. Like, pretty much everything except for this next one, I had never heard of. But I don't There's know. There's a lot more crime in the 80s. 
Yeah, that's true. So, so number one, guys. Here we go. McMurder. Oh. A.K.A. the McDonald's Massacre. Are you guys familiar with this? Yes. I think that's the one you showed me. Yes. Maybe. This was like a... Well, let's, we'll just get into it. Yeah. Um, on July 15th, 1984, James Huberty commented to his wife, Etna, that he suspected he may have a mental health problem. Two days later, on the morning of July 17th, he called the San Diego Mental Health Clinic requesting an appointment. Leaving his contact details with the receptionist, he was assured that the clinic would call, return his call within hours. According to his wife, Huberty sat beside the telephone for several hours, waiting for the return call, before abruptly walking out of his family's home and riding to an unknown destination on his motorcycle. Unbeknownst to Huberty, the receptionist had misspelled his name as Schuberty. His polite demeanor conveyed no sense of urgency to the operator, and he had elaborated in the phone call that he had never been hospitalized for mental health issues. Therefore, the call had been logged as a non-crisis inquiry to be handled within 48 hours. Approximately one, di- one hour later, Huberty returned home in a content mood. After eating dinner, Huberty and his wife and their two daughters, aged 12 and 10, cycled to a nearby park. Later that evening, he and Etna watched a film together, on their television, July 18th, 1984. The following morning, Wednesday, July 18th, Huberty and his wife and children visited the San Diego Zoo. Very cool, by the way. San Diego Zoo is fucking nuts. Uh, in, the, in the course of their walkthrough of the zoo, Huberty told his wife that he believed that his, uh, that his life was effectively over. Referring to the mental health clinic's failure to return his phone call the previous day, he said, well, society had their chance. After eating lunch at McDonald's restaurant in Claremont, uh, neighbor, Claremont neighborhood of San Diego, the Huberty family returned home. Shortly thereafter, Huberty walked into his bedroom wearing a maroon t-shirt and green camouflage slacks. As his wife lay relaxing upon their bed, he leaned toward Etna and said, I want to kiss you goodbye. Etna kissed her husband, then asked him where he was going, stating her intent to soon prepare the family dinner. Huberty, claimed, uh, Huberty calmly replied, he was going hunting, hunting for humans. <laughs> Holding a gun across his shoulder and carrying a box of ammunition and a bundle in a wrapped checkered blanket, Huberty glanced at his elder daughter, Zella, as he walked toward the door of the family home and said, Goodbye, I won't be back. Huberty then drove to San Ysidro Boulevard. According to eyewitnesses, he drove first to the Big Bear supermarket and then to a U.S. post office branch before entering a parking lot of a McDonald's restaurant approximately 200 yards from Averill Road Apartment. James Huberty, the 41-year-old unemployed father of two, used a 9mm Uzi semi-automatic, the primary weapon fired in the massacre, a Winchester pump-action 12-gauge shotgun in a 9mm Browning HP in the restaurant, killing 22 people and wounding 19 others. Huberty's victims were predominantly Mexican and Mexican-American, 
and ranged from the age of eight months to 74 years. The massacre began at 3.40 p.m. and lasted for 77 minutes. Huberty had spent 257 rounds of ammunition before he was fatally shot by a SWAT team sniper, Chuck Foster, who was perched on the roof of the post office adjacent to the restaurant. Initially, law enforcement and emergency crews responded to the McDonald's located at the U.S. international border with Tijuana at 3.15 p.m., and 15 minutes later, changed direction after they learned that the shooting was actually taking place at the McDonald's next to the post office, approximately two minutes away. And actually, just to pause for a second here, like, there was a lot of criticism toward the police um, on how this was handled, the fact that the shooting lasted for 77 minutes. And they went to the wrong McDonald's. And they went to the wrong place. When did this happen? I I think I remember this. Yeah, this was like 84, I think. Yeah, 84. Um, so, and there's a doc, there's actually a documentary you can watch. It's not, it's not the best put together documentary in my opinion, but it's super interesting when you listen to the direct, there's a lot of direct content from the victims, people who were in there, but I will put a warning on this. And Gene saw this part. Like, I feel like you were falling asleep during it. And then he woke up when they were, they, they show the whole crime scene footage of the massacre inside the McDonald's. It's super disturbing. There's like blood and French fries everywhere. Um, what there, we saw like a baby and a mom holding her baby. Yeah, They're all disturbing. shot up like dead children, dead in booths. It's super disturbing. So I, I just definitely want to warn anybody who watches it. But what do you remember about this, John? I just remember the story. It sounds familiar to me, the whole thing. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's not like these were like super common in the 80s, mm-hmm. I feel like there was years, years before that, there was like a Luby's cafeteria massacre where this guy like drove a truck into a cafeteria. And I think he even killed, he might have killed more people than this uh, event. But, but this one, it's, it's just a, it's a un- super unfortunate case because it sounds like the guy's mentally deranged and he tried to fucking get someone to see him and just thought of like, you know, misfortune, just misfortune, I guess, right? Like, it's it's weird. Yeah. I, when we cover stories like this, I feel like particularly mass shootings, um, we see these, like, little, like, there was one with James Holmes, remember? Like, when he was outside the theater, uh, he called that, he called someone at, like, a mental health line, too, mm-hmm. before he went in. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, I feel like they fucking know when they're trying sometimes, but they're just too fucking warped. Their brains are too scrambled. Why do you think uh, killing other people is the, the go-to for a lot of these folks instead of killing themselves? I think a lot of times they do kill themselves or they commit, like, suicide by cop. But um, killing the other people, I don't know. Some of them end up becoming obsessed with mass murder in general. Uh, like, if you remember when we covered Holmes, like, he had that whole system. The numbering system, right? The numbering the system of uh, how much value was in killing a person. And he was trying to outdo other people. Um, it's hard to say, though. And I don't think every reason's the same. But they did. So they say, although Huberty stated during the massacre that he had killed thousands in Vietnam... He had never actually served in any military branch. So remember, we were talking about this. 
like the motive and stuff. So he thought he was a Vietnam veteran, but he wasn't. Yeah, isn't that fucking crazy? Wait, what? He thought he was, but he wasn't. It says due to the number of victims, local funeral homes had to use the San Ysidro Civic Center to hold all the wakes, and the local parish Mount Car- uh, Charmel Church had to have back-to-back funeral masses to accommodate all the dead. As far as the actual site, like the McDonald's where it happened, on September 26, 1984, McDonald's tore down the restaurant where the massacre occurred and gave the property to the city. They in turn established the Education Center as part of Southwest Community College. This location was built in 1988 as an expansion of its off-campus location. Excuse me, off-campus locations. In front of the school is a memorial to the massacred victims consisting of 21 hexagonal granite pillars ranging in height from one to six feet. I feel like that place was haunted. Yeah. And it's like, that's pretty cool that McDonald's did that. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they had any any fucking, you know, they weren't at fault for it. But they donated the land and stuff, so I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, no one would either. Fuck that. But you know what? Um, well, look at the theater that James Holmes shot up, though. That's still going. People go to movies mm-hmm. there. So, I mean, given that's a definitely a bigger, more of an investment kind of structure, like, that was a pretty cool-looking theater from what I saw. Like, it looked like a pretty epic theater. Um, but still... Now, you would say, right, McDonald's has nothing to do with this, right? With this McMurder? This McMassacre? Safe to say, I think. Well... Did they fuck up his order or something when he was there earlier? This is where we get a little crazy. This is where we get a little... uh, They put pickles on it, didn't they? They always fucking put pickles on things when you say no pickles. I want pickles, though. And this is a lawsuit. And in 1986, Etna Huberty, his widow unsuccessfully sued McDonald's and Babcock and Wilcox, James Huberty's longtime former employer, in an Ohio state court for $7.88 million, claiming that the massacre was triggered by a combined mixture of McDonald's food and work around poisonous metals. Uh-huh. She, alleged, she alleged that the monosodium <coughs> glutamate in the food combined with the high levels of lead and cat... Cadmium in Huberty's, in Huberty's body induced delusions and uncontrollable rage. McDonald's doesn't use MSG. Let's go to the skeptic for this one, though. Yeah. John, is so, this possible? So lead and cadmium poisoning could fuck up your brain. Usually it's something that's like it affects... It doesn't... Heavy metal poisoning isn't as bad for adults as it is for kids. Kids that get lead poisoning and heavy metal poisoning end up with like tons of mental problems and like well but heavy metal poison that's like when you listen to quiet riot way too much yeah. right is that what that is <laughs> so lead and cadmium yeah stuff like that and arsenic shit like that um but msg is one of these things that like r- more recent science has discovered is is completely not bad for you at all like it's like anything else it's basically just salt it occurs naturally in like tomatoes and all kinds of shit and all the crap about MSG being bad for you from like 10 or 15 years ago or 20 years ago, 30 years ago when this happened was just all like junk science. I agree. I love LSD. So. But um, 
I used to have a roommate that had a jar of MSG and she would put it on her food because she was like a shitty cook and it like makes you crave whatever food or enjoy the food that you're eating more. So you just put it on like So she would shit? put it on whatever she wanted. Accent. You can buy it at the Accents MSG. Like uh, that. that's the brand name of the... Well, I know it's, it's used in like a lot of like Americanized Chinese food, right? It's delicious. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's Is great. that what makes you uh, feel full? Fast yeah, it, well, they say they use it it's, at buffets to try and make people feel full. It's salty. Quicker. It's very salty. Mm. So, but it sounded like. Tell me if I'm hearing this wrong. That there may be a shred of validity to her claim. No, no. <laughs> the MSG thing is bullshit. That's but like it's a marketing point. But like, and my mom would always say this shit too. Like, oh, the MS. I can't eat the Chinese food because it's got MSG <laughs> in it. It gives me a headache, and it's just. It was, it's bullshit. Okay. Um, you heard it here first. But the heavy metal poisoning thing is bad, but I mean, it's just a case of someone not wanting to admit that their loved one was hunting humans, a, a psychopath. Yeah. So they developed this in very elaborate reason that it happened in their head and she probably had some attorney that she went to talk to who was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, made her file the suit, hoping to get a big payday or something. She wanted a quick buck and to clear his name. And she so probably on. didn't want a quick buck, but she probably got convinced that she worked herself into it, you know? Yeah. It's probably like, too, like, you want to, like, she loved the guy, you know? She had kids with him. Right. So no one, she's probably trying to convince herself that... Yeah. There was some other reason. It wasn't James, you know? Right. And it sounds like he was mentally ill, right? I mean, I don't think... He seemed more like a fucking whack job. Like, this was not something that he planned out. Like, you know, like, he just kind of snapped, it seems like. Um, but an autopsy did reveal high levels of metals, most likely built up from the fumes inhaled during his 14 years of welding. Autopsy results also revealed there were no drugs or alcohol in his system at the time of the killings. This but begs it, the, go ahead. Sorry. That stuff, yeah, like, so that's, it, heavy metals take a long, long time to leave your body. So that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what was fucking up his brain. Hmm. It begs the question, though, what's your favorite thing on the dollar menu? Nuggets. At, at McDonald's? Yeah. McDonald's, we gotta go. That's key, you know? Mm. <laughs> it's a hard choice. Boy, this is fucking right you guys are I don't, I don't really just nuggets. I, I usually sandwich? just get burgers at Mc, like the hamburgers at McDonald's. Yeah, you said you really didn't I mean, you made it clear uh, during our fast food killer opinion that uh, yeah, no. not a fan, no, no. right? Mm-mm. Like their chicken sandwiches suck. Their nuggets. I think suck. the nuggets are awesome. I Ugh. like their sundays. You don't like them? The the tenders are okay, I guess. You don't like the nuggets? No. Wow, that's wild. See, I, I do. I'm a big fan of the quarter pounder. Me yeah. too. But that's yeah. not on the dollar menu, is it? Oh, that's true. I did say dollar menu. Um, if we're going dollar menu, it's nuggets all day again for me. I think their nuggets are great. Hmm. Yeah, I don't really order from the dollar menu there. 
I go all out. <laughs> the only processed chicken I really like is the original chicken sandwich from Burger King. Really? Yeah. That's a weird one, too, right? Isn't that the long yeah. cock-shaped bun? Yeah. Oh, that one. From Burger King? They don't fuck around with that. Have you sandwich. tried the Impossible Burger? No. I heard it's not even... You can't do it. It's it tastes possible. weird. They cook it in the, in the grease on other meat, right? The real problem with McDonald's is ever since they went to the healthy fryer oil, their, their fries don't really. They got this little aftertaste to them. It sucks. Do great. you think their Coca-Cola tastes better, though, than anywhere else? No. Uh, <laughs> depends if they clean the machines that they... Mm. That's fair. Do you inspect them after you drink it and make a judgment? I just, don't, I just don't fuck with it. <laughs> okay, well, um, there's, some, there's a whole bunch of other crazy stuff with this thing. Like, there's a boy that was 11... Um, an 11-year-old boy who rode his bicycle to McDonald's to get a soft drink. He got caught in the gunfire, but he, he like, played dead for an hour, and it saved his life. And it's like, it was like, you, you see the, you can see the pictures online, like, his bike's there, and it's all, like, bloody and shit. And it's just, it's chaos. Um, I'd recommend the 77 Minutes documentary if you guys want to hear more. I could see us maybe revisiting this one. Um, this is a Forbidden Five, so we don't, do an insane amount of detail on it. Uh, but I feel like this is a very interesting uh, crime. And uh, maybe, I'm sure at some point we might we might revisit it. But uh, I do want to ask you guys one kind of final question. Um, like, whenever I go into a restaurant, for some reason, maybe it's because I'm so into, like, true crime stuff and, like, all that and i'm always thinking about like what if that scenario happened like i like to sit with my back to the not to the exits you know like i like to see what's going on in the place where i sit if possible um but what do you do what do you do if someone if you're sitting eating uh with your family or your girlfriend someone comes in and they just start you know they've got a gun what do you do hmm. This is why I go through the drive-thru. I was just thinking that. Meals. Like, I don't <laughs> like being inside. Like, it really makes me on. sad to eat inside uh, McDonald's. How about when we had that romantic dinner in the Sonics, though? You didn't like yeah. that? Isn't no, that a, I hated that. Isn't that a drive-thru, too? Yeah, if there's, a, if there's a drive-thru attached to a restaurant, you are not meant to eat inside of it unless you're going to the play place. I mean, no, look, you've made a fair comment there saying just use the drive-thru, but... um. We've sat in restaurants. I know we have, so but it's always you're, by you're, your you're side, choice. You're sidestepping the question. <laughs> you don't got to beat the mic up. You know, you're getting the rage out right now. But I would, I would probably like freeze and not know what to do. You would just wait for me to do something. I would. Follow. I would lead. hope that you would like make a good decision. What if he shot me in the head and oh, then left shit. you for a moment? That would suck. Why would you? No. I'm know. just, okay. We won't go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Gene, you're with your girl and uh, let's say Daddy Bass at, uh, at uh, Burger King and uh, a man wearing a Jesus Christ mask comes in uh, with a Tech 9 and sprays up. Uh, the rapper? No, the gun. Uh-huh. 
and uh, sprays up a booth near you, but stops short of shooting up your booth, and then he starts making like ludicrous demands and looking at the counter. What do you do? The counter, like away from me? Yeah. I'll fucking jump behind him and bite his neck savagely. Yeah. Just rip his, <laughs> rip his shit open. Yeah. I would have to because I'm. I get like this nervous energy and I do really stupid shit. But at least I would try to like kill him because he'd probably kill me. I believe you would do around. that 100%. That's a great yeah. plan. Keep yeah. that in mind. And hopefully people will help me too or watch me get killed. I don't know. But I bite his shit up. Same situation, John the Skeptic. You're with your family, though. And and former presidential candidate Ralph Nader. Oh, shit. Um, Hide behind. <laughs> so what, their attention is drawn away from me? They you just gotta... murdered people near you, but then, yes, they've looked. The back is it's toward you. It's just one you. person? It's one, one maniac wearing a Jesus Christ mask. Uh, I would... Probably try and stop them. I would tell Andrea that I was going to do something and that she and Ellie should run as soon as I started moving. Yeah. And then I would go try and tackle the guy. That's the only, I feel like that's the only chance you have in that situation. Like, if I put myself in that same situation, it's like, so if you get that, if he's already massacred someone in front of you and the shooting started, you've got to make... The only you've got to make the move. So hopefully, I would be able to take the person's attention enough that they could make it out the door. Yeah. And you and maybe I maybe maybe I live maybe I don't. Yeah. They'd get away. I mean, on the story I'm writing, you live. Thank you. Awesome. If their backs turned. <laughs> yes. You have. I feel like you have the advantage. You can just hit him in the back of the kneecap. He'll maybe fall. I could make eye contact. Ralph Nader would help me because he's a good <laughs> dude. <laughs> He cares about people. Yeah. Even though he's like, I could probably convince him to go in first because he's older than me. Yeah. He was just like, he's, he's lived a long life. Listen, Johnny, I've done it. Yeah. And uh, I'm getting you know. close to the end. I might even be able to convince him to do my plan and me and the three <laughs> of us run out together. Yeah. yeah, the three of us run out together. What if you left the car keys inside? Oh, that See. would suck. Ah, I mean, car keys would give us a fucking run. Just run. Yeah. It's true. But like if it's a long driveway, just try and gun you down. Driveway, there's got to be, I mean. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're playing with hypotheticals here. I'm sorry. But those uh, responses were very interesting, people. So I think uh, we can put, uh, what were we going to put up from this? Um, 77 minutes. Seven, yeah. Well, that documentary is on Amazon. If you have Prime, you can just check for 77 minutes. But I thought there was something else. Oh, the Rick and Morty thing. Oh, the Rick and Morty thing. Um, you'll have to see if we, you can send me that. Maybe it's on YouTube. It is on YouTube. And I'm pretty sure... I got to double check to make sure that it actually is from a transcript. But I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that it was from an actual yeah. transcript. Because everything we say on this show is fact. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Psych. Fact or um, fiction. Was that all right? Did you guys have fun with the fast food massacre? It was really fun. It was a blast. <laughs> it was pretty cool, right? It was Baja Blast. Yeah. Ugh, um, and I'm just glad yeah. to learn more about you guys and your eating habits. Guys, if the listeners, again, we thank you all. Uh, we're getting an outpouring of uh, support and listens. If you want to send us uh, some of your fast food stuff, we'll shout them out on our uh, 
episode in a couple weeks where we do our year-end recap. You can send your fast food choices or crazy stories to evilexamined.gmail.com. And remember to go to www.evilexamined.com. Check or even Facebook, cool too. We don't utilize Facebook. Yeah, you can do Facebook. Uh, we're Evil Examined on Instagram, too. Um, that's we, But we always post on Facebook, Instagram, and it, I think it feeds through to our Twitter, too. So you, can, you should follow us, guys. We really don't have a ton of followers. People are just subscribed to the podcast. Mm-hmm. But if you follow us on the social media stuff, you can get uh, some other updates on there, too. Um, if you want to know, like, what, you know... Mike's alien implant looks like, or John the Skeptic's trachea. These are important things, you know? But thanks again for joining us, John. And uh, we shall, we're going to have him on next for what's next week? Cannibalism. And again, this is not just some boring cannibal show. This is, this is going to be different, people. You're going to hear it from uh, all different ways animals, nature, everything, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're gonna hear. We guarantee you're gonna hear some stuff that you never heard before. Do we? Do they talk about hamsters? Yes. Awesome. I specifically wrote down to ask you guys about that because yeah. I knew you had a hamster for sure. Have you had one? Oh, no, no. I just Henry. Okay. <laughs> now your mom said he had cancer, right? And that's why he turned green. He, I believe so. Yeah. Oh. All right, guys. <laughs> well, we appreciate you again, and have a great evening.